episode 135 of the bad taste video podcast and unfortunately due to some technical difficulties you will only be hearing the sweet sounds of my voice i am mike and i am fully prepared and very excited to go back again i guess for like the 15th fucking time to 1985 where i watched A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Some say this is the worst Nightmare on Elm Street film, which I don't know how that's possible. But I say this one is actually the best. It is my favorite. Everybody knows that. It is not some secret uh, opinion. This movie, to me, is pure Freddy Krueger with a little bit of help from uh, some... I guess you could say plot holes or continuity mistakes or just disregarding the general idea and rules of the franchise. But it was the second movie, so, I mean, is it really set in stone yet? How many franchises out there, you know, didn't really set up until later on? I mean, shit, like Friday the 13th, you have uh, Jason Voorhees getting his mask in the third movie. So, you know, that's that's what you know Jason as, the masked killer running around, well, walking around Crystal Lake and maybe space, killing all these campers and counselors. And he didn't even get his real, like, strong identifying feature until the third film. And the fourth film was the biggest one. So, you know, things were different in the 80s, I guess. But nowadays... You are seeing these franchises kind of, uh, you know, pump out shit. I guess we're back into that fucking lull. But once in a while, you'll get a pretty good one. It usually is a strong first film, and then it steadily declines. Where in the 80s, I feel like you were getting that strong first movie. The second one was usually okay. The third one was awesome. Then it either kind of kept that or, you know, obviously it went down. But there was always positives to even the bad movies. Jason Takes Manhattan, there's some positives in that movie. It's It's got its its moments. The outtakes are great, especially when... Uh, actually, never mind. Go check out the outtakes from Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. There's one particular one that you'll, you'll know that that's the one I'm thinking of. Another thing about A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 is it, you know, it's part of a franchise that's part of a very... I'm not going to say select, but... There's not many out there that really have a ton of movies in the catalog. I mean, my favorite franchise, or one of my favorite franchises of all time, uh, Phantasm, there's five movies. I like all of them. People really don't like, you know, the third or fourth one. Even people don't really like the fifth one. But I really found all of the movies entertaining, at least. The first one is obviously a classic. The second one does have its shortcomings, and that's only because I think A. Michael Baldwin wasn't in it. Like the main, you know, you're pretty much your main character besides Reggie Bannister. But even the third and fourth movie, they include footage that they shot originally for the first one. I think that's great. You see different dream sequences that they're able to intertwine that footage with. It's great. One franchise that I feel like doesn't get the respect it deserves also is the Tremors franchise. Apparently there's seven movies now. I've seen up to the sixth one, 
and I enjoyed that. I like all of them. I like when they go back in time to the Wild West. I think it's very entertaining. I also like Back to the Future Part 3, though, and I know that's not really, uh, you know, uh, a, a repeated phrase. But I, I think the Tremor series gets forgotten. Like, yeah, the first one has Kevin Bacon and everybody knows it. The second one, I feel like a lot of people know also. But after that, I feel like nobody's seen the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh one. And I really think that people should give it a try. It's, it's a lot better than the later Hellraiser movies, that's for sure. You know, that's another franchise that gets up there in the numbers and it really turns into a different franchise towards the later ones, like really bad, not good. But I would definitely say, check out, you know, all the later Tremors movies. You may like them, you may not, who knows? I'm, I have, I'm a terrible uh, judge of what the general public thinks is acceptable. So, you know, watch, watch it at least, give it a chance. A franchise that also is up there in the numbers that I like, that I feel like a lot of people don't know, is the zombie franchise. Now, everybody, of course, knows technically, you know, Dawn of the Dead is the first zombie. And then Zombie 2 is the Lucio Fulci zombie. But then there's Zombie 3, 4, 5. It keeps going, and a lot of them are watchable. The third one feels just like, you know, the second one in a way. You could tell it's connected, sort of. Fulci didn't finish that movie, but it's still a very enjoyable zombie movie. It's weird, it's Italian, it's gory. The fourth and fifth one, same thing. It's like weird Italian gore, low budget, barely connected to a, well, there really is no connection besides zombies and birds, but you know, what can you do? But I would say go check out those if you really want to weird somebody out, have them sit down and watch like zombie five or some shit. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a well-cultured individual. I've traveled the world. So I said before that some people think that this is the worst Nightmare on Elm Street film of the franchise. And I went on Rotten Tomatoes and I checked out like what's the quote unquote tomato meter score, which I guess is all the reviews from actual critics. And then there's an audience score that is you know, user reviews. And to my surprise, this had a 43% on the tomato meter, so like from actual critics, and a 33% from the audience. Now, in my general experience, the audience is higher than, you know, the critics because you got like the average, like Joe Schmo going out and watching the movie. So they're not looking at it with that like trained eye. But for this one, the audience fucking hated it, 33%, and I definitely don't agree with them. So after seeing this and realizing that I didn't agree with this rating, I went back and looked at some of the movies that I, I truly love, and I wanted to get an idea of what other people thought, and maybe my general taste is just way off because, you know, bad taste. <laughs> so I went back, I looked up Lucio Fulci Zombie, right? I was just talking about it before with the zombie franchise, so I thought, let's see what the critics thought about zombie. And just as I thought, it had a 42%. So it actually has 1% lower of a grade than Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. So now what's the audience score? Just as I thought, 69%. So the average person watching the movie enjoys it. And that could also be because it's kind of obscure, so you really have to go out of your way to watch it. So the people that are going out of their way to watch it are already into that shit, if you catch what I'm throwing. So another one that I absolutely love, and I always say it's like a fucking staple, the video dead. Now there was no, you know, critic score or whatever, but the audience score was 32%, 1% lower than Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. So another movie that I absolutely fucking love is just not liked by the general public. And I understand, you know, it's it's low budget. It, the average person would probably think it looks like shit. The effects are stupid. The acting is terrible. But that's part of the whole charm of it. You know, you want to hear the fucking girl saying chocolate. Like, that shit's funny as hell. I don't want to see fucking a, an actual trained actress do that. Get the fuck out of here. Now, a Bad Taste Hall of Fame member, Feeders 2, Sleigh Bells, 
I bet you can only imagine what the score is going to be for that. Now, yet again, there's no critic review, but the audience score, 22%. Wow. Now, that kind of goes in the face of what I was saying before about zombie, where you really have to go looking for it to find it. And the people that are going to look for it are already into that stuff. So they're going to like it probably. Feeders too, 22%. I must have some sort of fucking brain damage because if that many people hate that movie, I don't know. I think I think I might be the idiot in the room. <laughs> so another one that uh, I really, 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 really enjoyed, and we talked about it here on the podcast, Chillers, and we all around said it was a great movie. It's a great anthology. It's a you know straight to video radon release. It's cool as hell. 18% audience score. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 18%? What? Like, who's watching this stuff? I really want to get like a like a demographic of who's leaving these reviews. Because that movie is really, really actually good. Trust me, go watch it. It's really like not a bad anthology. And for it to have an 18%? Come on. There must have only been like one or two reviews. I should have looked into that more. And that's why it's so low. You know, it's weighed down by maybe one one star review or whatever, like fucking zero percent. Who knows? But I guess this kind of shows that you can't go with the Rotten Tomatoes score. Just watch the movie and decide for yourself. So I have the VHS here. For Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, and it is a media release. And one thing I have to say about these ones, I really enjoy all four flaps being there. Like it has, it doesn't have an open slipcase at the bottom. It actually has a flap you can close. I think it makes it so much more of like a, it's like feels more substantial in your hand when it's completely enclosed by that shitty fucking cardboard. But this movie is definitely something I would say is like a rental store classic whereby now really multiple generations of kids have like fucking rented this movie to watch like Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 like oh fucking Freddy Krueger on the cover look it's so so spooky and I remember as a kid seeing this in the store and being fucking terrified of it so I guess they uh, I guess that kind of worked because it, it hooked me eventually I watched the movie and I realized Maybe I could handle this, and I'm probably obsessed with it at this point. But this this VHS release, I would say, is something that would go up there with, like, Friday the 13th Part 4, where you'll always remember it being there because, you know, it's a widely distributed movie, and it was a popular franchise, and it's something that I feel like everybody has to watch at, at some point. So like I said, this movie was released on November 3rd, 1985, just shy of Halloween, which is kind of puzzling why they wouldn't release it a month earlier so people would go see it for the season. But, you know, what can you do? It was made on a $3 million budget, which I thought was pretty good. It looks like a really solid movie for $3 million, even in, you know, 1980s money. It's it's really got a clean look to it. And it actually grossed $30 million. so it wasn't like it was a disaster at the box office. It may have gotten bad reviews, but it actually made some money. I mean, $3 million to $30 million? Come on, it's, 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 like, it's pulling its weight. So one thing I see people talking about uh, when it comes to this movie is Freddy Krueger looks so different from the first movie. And Kevin Yeager was brought in who would do you know, makeup for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and like Trick or Treat. Uh, I think he did some shit on the final chapter also. But they made it more, I guess, realistic towards like what a burn victim would look like maybe. I I really do enjoy Freddy's look in this. He looks kind of scary. He looks creepy. He's fucking slimy. I think the uh, the change was actually pretty good but really i feel like everybody mostly knows freddy krueger from the looks from like part three on even part one he looks slightly different like i guess because the budget wasn't really there so things weren't done as well but i feel like the real the real popular freddy krueger look is from part three on but i really do enjoy this one in part two and it really does make him look like pretty menacing in this movie and 
He looks like a fucking, just a crazy dream murderer, child molesting piece of shit. It's really, a, it's really an effective makeup job. So let's hit the trailer and uh, we'll get into the movie. Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly. He is not patient. Kill for me. And he is not a welcome visitor. No! 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 But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. It started to happen again. Dad! I'm in trouble. You've had some scary dreams, okay? Help! Daddy can't help you now. There's something inside him. Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Get out of here, Lisa! Fight him! Watch out for him. We'll be in your neighborhood soon. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. You are all my children now. Freddy's Revenge. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, a movie that feels, to me at least, like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Uh, it just strays a little bit from the general nightmare lore and rules. So this one basically is a high school student and his family moves into the old uh, Thompson residence on Elm Street and he starts to be possessed by the man himself, Freddy Krueger. And in this movie, it's slightly different. Freddy is not trying to just, you know, get power in the dream world and all that shit and then like eventually cross over. He's trying to use Jesse as like a vessel to to pretty much become a real person again. And he does successfully uh, many times in this movie, which makes things quite confusing because you're not really quite sure who you see. Is it Jesse with a glove on or is it Freddy Krueger? To me, I feel like anytime anybody's killed, it's actually Freddy Krueger. But apparently that's not a, uh, a widely distributed theory on that. So this movie opens up with your normal Springwood, Ohio uh, suburban neighborhood. And apparently it's 1986. The original Nightmare on Elm Street was 1981. But the, I know the movie did not come out in 1981. But it took place in 1981. This is five years later. And the title card of this movie is pretty cool. You got like this, you got this death metal looking Nightmare on Elm Street 2 uh, logo. And then you get hit with like the T-1000 Terminator 2 uh, font where it says Freddy's Revenge. Pretty interesting choice when it comes to that. Uh, doesn't really match the first part of the title card, but whatever. What can you do? This is where we meet our first main character, Jesse. He's our main protagonist, our final guy, as you would say, because there isn't really a final girl. I mean, technically, there's two people at the end, whatever. But he's obviously in a dream. He's on a bus going to high school. He looks like a nerd. He's, you know, sitting there all fucking weird and squirrely in the back. And the bus passes the bus stops and it keeps driving. There's two other girls still on the bus with him and they're starting to freak out. He's starting to freak out. And we also get a shot of the bus driver and who is it but Robert England himself. And this is where we get him without makeup. It's his cameo. It's it's really cool. I like it. I wonder if anybody realized it back in, you know, 1985 when this came out. So eventually they're driven out into this nightmare desert land where all the ground falls away from the bus and they're eventually left on this giant rock pillar that looks like something out of like a wily coyote cartoon and this is where we get our first reveal of freddy krueger and he looks super menacing he's scary as fuck walking down the bus and jesse wakes the fuck up screaming and it's really kind of funny because everybody in the family knows that there's an issue with jesse but nobody really wants to deal with it like typical 80s suburban family right just sweep it under the rug and one thing that i wanted to mention about this school bus scene 
it's it's like a miniature shot, I think. It looks like a miniature, and it's really cool. It's really well done. Wonder where that is now. Who has that in their fucking house? I I I would love to own like an original miniature, a matte painting from one of these movies. I would really love to have that eventually. Put that over the fireplace, you know what I mean? Nice conversation piece, like, oh, what's that? It's like, oh, don't mind, uh, don't mind telling you right now. You ever see Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2? I think that would be a wonderful experience for everybody. So this is where we really meet the rest of the family. And Clue Gulliger of uh, Return of the Living Dead fame plays the dad. And actually, Return of the Living Dead came out in 1985 also. So he was a busy guy. He had a hell of a year for horror movies. Shit. But he's kind of a dick, right? He's like uptight. You could tell he's kind of bossy and your typical 80s like fucking dick dad and the mom seems a lot nicer and the daughter is kind of you know just your average little sister who doesn't actually seem to be malicious in any way so you know take that uh how you will i don't know if that's even very relevant but uh, i really do like jesse as our main character here he's likable he's relatable um, typical 80s kid in high school having nightmares, family doesn't care, he thinks he's going crazy, they think he's on drugs. Great character, especially since it's like, oh, you're just new to the, uh, you're new to the fucking neighborhood, you're new to the house, like, you know, they, it's really a tough time, especially in high school, to move the way he did. And one question that I do have with the movie that's never quite answered is if he's so new to this area where he didn't unpack yet and they even reference him as like a new kid at school, I think at one point, how does he have a girlfriend already and shit? What's up with that, right? Like he's he's with Lisa for pretty much the whole movie. So what, they meet on his first day and that was it? Love at first sight? I don't know. And also Lisa is apparently ultra rich and she walks to Jesse's house just to get in his uh, carbon monoxide machine, the deadly dinosaur, to go to school. Like, really? She can't take the Rolls Royce and uh, drive him in style up there? One thing that I think this movie does very well is the cast in general is very likable. Like, now we see Jesse at school and he gets humiliated in gym class by getting pantsed by Grady. And Ron Grady actually becomes Jesse's friend through, you know, all the punishment that they take from uh, Coach Schneider. You know, they, they got to do push-ups and all this shit, and they get to talking, and I guess they realize that they're both, uh, they're both actually just right for each other. And I really do enjoy the banter back and forth when they're being punished, like talking about Coach Schneider, how it's like, oh, he goes to these, like, S&M bars downtown, and he, like, he likes seeing people getting punished and he likes pretty boys like you and it's really really funny how they have this uh very believable high school interaction between these two boys this this relationship is actually pretty enjoyable and i like that the bully turns out to be his friend and it's it makes you know, when somebody dies or when somebody's in some sort of trouble, it makes it that much better. Like, it, it feels like there's actually consequence as opposed to some of the other ones where you hate half the cast. You know, what the fuck are you going to do? Root for the guy that you just watched, like, do some shitty thing before? Fuck that. Another thing that Grady tells Jesse that I found really, really enjoyable is that his house was actually the place of some, like, horrific incident and Jesse's like, no, shut the fuck up. Like, that didn't happen. And he's like, no, no, like the girl, she went like crazy, witnessed her boyfriend across the street getting butchered. And, you know, knowing the first movie, it's like, holy shit, you're right. And there was some sort of like supernatural dream demon that stole somebody's mom into the dream world. Like, how, how do you explain that to the to the uh, to the customer looking at the house? Jesus, that must have been hard to be a real estate agent. And I guess that's why it took five years to sell. I guess they alluded to that. So you live around here or what? Yeah, my parents just bought a place on Elm Street. Elm Street? You tell me you moved into that big white house with the bars in the window? Yeah, what about it? Shit, you can tell your old man he's a real chump. What are you talking about now, Grady? Some chick was locked in there by her mother and she went crazy. She watched her boyfriend get butchered across the street by some maniac... 
You're full of shit, Grady. So after this whole sequence of uh, Grady and Jesse, we see a little bit later that night, and Jesse is obviously dreaming, and he's looking into the basement of the house, and who does he see? Freddy Krueger, and it's, you know, lit with all red. It's just radiating from those little windows that you would have in a basement. It's, it's really an effective sequence. It's really creepy. It's cool. But for some reason, it looks like uh, Jesse's wearing scrubs. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's just the shirt that he's... I think he actually is wearing like a, uh, like a hospital shirt for some reason. But this is where we get our meeting between Freddy Krueger and Jesse, where Freddy Krueger says the famous line, you got the body, I got the brain. And he removes like his scalp and you see his brain pulsating. That is peak Freddy Krueger to me. Like just fucking with you, knowing that he's got, you know, nothing to worry about when it comes to you. You're no threat. And all he wants is just to come into the real world. And it is awesome and you may recognize that quote also from the fresh prince nightmare on my street they uh actually use that line in the rap pretty cool i like that back when i was a kid they actually played that over the pa of uh my elementary school during halloween that like the monster mash crazy right i, I don't think they're doing that anymore i strolled back home with the grill on my grill i figured since this is a dream i might as well get ill i walked in the house the big so of course we have to get another sequence of clue Gulliger kind of being a dick right and it's hard to watch him in this role because he's so he's so likable in return of the living dead at least i find him likable and here he's like a super strict, like, oh, you better unpack your fucking room. You ain't doing anything. And Jesse was about to go meet Lisa. So he's all fucking mad. And this is where we finally get the uh, great dance sequence that I find completely relatable uh, by Jesse to uh, touch me all night long by Wish and Fonda like Ray. That? That's a band that I, that's a group. I guess you would consider that a group or whatever. I don't know. I I wish I was involved in the production of that song because it is fucking awesome. Just as he's really getting into it, what happens? Lisa walks in the room and she catches him in a very, uh, I guess, compromising position. I find this whole sequence extremely funny. And it actually leads to one of the better parts of the movie where Jesse and Lisa are, are unpacking his shit and they're going through things and they find Nancy's diary in the closet. And... This is where Jesse finally gets an ally because somebody else believes his story 100% in the book. You know, it's saying, there's this guy coming after me. He's got these claws. He's trying to kill me. And everything is exactly what fucking Jesse was saying. And I feel like that's almost like a relief, like, like catharsis. Like, oh shit, finally, like somebody else saw this. Somebody else is hearing this. It's not just me. And I also feel like once they find this diary, the things in the house start ramping up. Like, you know, they have like the heat is fucking blasting. It's like 100 degrees in the house. And then a bird just fucking spontaneously combusts. And Clue Gulliger could only say like, must have been that damn cheap bird seed that you buy. It's like, what? How is that a fucking explanation for a literal like flying creature just into flames 
And then he blames, tries to blame it on firecrackers or some shit. Like, yeah, he stuck it up its ass and lit it somehow from across the room. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? He's totally in denial that something's going on in this house. And it's funny because Jesse actually brings it up at one point. He's like, like, you know, did they tell you that this happened in this house and this girl went crazy and apparently nobody knew, only the dad knew. And then he's like, well, what do you expect? How do you think we got such a good deal on the house? Oh my God, Clue Gulliger, didn't you learn from fucking Return of the Living Dead? Like, just just do the right thing, man. Call the army, bro. <laughs> you think in that movie, if they would have just called the military immediately, they would have nuked the place or they would have just taken the barrels and that would have been that. I feel like they would have just taken the barrels. Right? They only nuked the place once it got out and into the fucking cemetery. That movie's great. I gotta go back and rewatch that. I feel like that's a movie that should really go back and watch once every so often because you forget how good it really is. March 15th. He comes to me at night. Horrible, ugly, mm. dirty. Under the sheets with me. Tearing at my nightgown <laughs> with his steel claws. His name is Fred. And he keeps trying to take me to the boiler room. He wants to kill me. Now, during this movie, we keep hearing about like a pool party that Lisa is throwing. Grady apparently can't come because he's grounded for throwing his grandma down a flight of stairs or some shit. But this is kind of spoken about people saying they're going, not going, blah, blah, blah. And eventually it's time for the party. And this is quite the scene. It's quite the like everything is fucking awesome. So they're having the party. You know, the parents are awake and so uptight and all this shit. Everybody looks like they're bored. You know, the dad goes to bed. Party starts. They put on the music. You start hearing the 808s and all that shit. And Jesse goes with Lisa to like this cabana type changing room place. They're going to. They start messing around, and Jesse feels Freddy coming through. He's all freaked out, and he runs, and he goes to Grady's house and starts begging him, like, hey, man, can I please stay here? Like, come on. Like, please. And Grady's all like, dude, why are you not with Lisa? Like, she's fucking into you. Like, you fucking stupid. And this is fucking crazy. Jesse, all of a sudden, is overtaken by Freddy Krueger. He emerges from Jesse like a fucking butterfly from a cocoon and just pins Grady to the door with his claws as his dad is screaming on the other side. And he is just like, you know, like, Grady, Ronnie, Ronnie, open up, open. And it's fucking great because now they cut back inside grady's dead and who's standing there jesse with a glove on he's fucked and he just jumps out the window like nobody thought like shit like you know somebody just murdered somebody in my kid's room i should probably run outside and make sure they don't get out that way but he returns to the party and he tries to admit to lisa that he killed ron i killed grady and Lisa's trying to kind of like, oh, no, no, like, oh, we could like we could figure it out, blah, blah, blah. And Jesse starts turning into Freddy Krueger again. And this is great because I think at one point Lisa throws like a shoe at him or some shit. But Freddy really needs to work on his hand to hand combat skills because he doesn't really do well here. And he eventually goes outside. And this is where we get. One of the best lines from this movie or any of the movies in the franchise, Freddy appears and says, You are all my children now. And he just goes on a killing spree here, slashing people. We also get another guy saying, Oh, you know, calm down, man. I can help you. Like, what do you like? You know, let me help you. Freddy goes, Help yourself, fucker, and just slashes him in the face. Now, is this Jesse with a glove on or is it Freddy Krueger? That's the big question. And to me, I believe it's Freddy Krueger because people would recognize Jesse. They would say his name. You know what I mean? Like they would say, Jesse, what are you doing? Not just act like he's some unknown person. It makes no sense. And also, this is the real world, but the pool starts to boil and there's like flame 
like like a flame wall when people try to escape. So really, it's like the two worlds are colliding here. So maybe as Freddy starts to overtake Jesse more, his powers are also coming too. Maybe. Because if you remember in the first one, when uh, Freddy kills Nancy's mom, that's like a supernatural death. He like jumps on her and takes her into the fucking bed, like into the netherworld. Maybe Freddy is able to manifest power in the real world this it's oh man you know what uh, to me it feels like it's just kind of an oversight and they needed a plot device but it's okay because it works for the movie it to me it's entertaining i like it it's cool the kills in this sequence they're not very graphic. It's not like some of the other shit you're going to see. You're not going to see somebody turning into a motorcycle here or uh, turn into a cockroach or even, uh, you know, crazy junkie overdose uh, death in an alley. That, that's not really happening in this movie. You really don't see much, but it still works. It's still good. It still feels like Freddy Krueger attacking people. It's still, to me at least feels like a nightmare in elm street film and to me this almost feels like the most realistic 80s nightmare in elm street film out of all of them because once you get into like part three now you're dealing with like the uh you know the mental facility with the kids and all that and you're starting to stretch it a little bit more you know now it's getting to be a little bit more unbelievable and though i do well unbelievable it's a fucking guy killing people in dreams but I do like that Nancy comes back and they reference her again. To me, that's really cool. And technically, Nancy is referenced in this movie. So does that mean she's technically in, you know, continuity here? Because then that makes her in three movies plus New Nightmare. So four movies. There you go. And I'm sure she's mentioned at other points or maybe not. Maybe they retcon it out. I, I haven't really paid attention that much besides the ones you know freddy's dead all that shit but it's very interesting how like they really escalated things after this movie so you know part three you know you got the the girl in the alley getting shot up by freddy like that's fucking crazy you have uh philip being the marionette and getting thrown off the uh the ledge that's great it really, really ramps up as opposed to this one where the only real like nightmare in Elm Street feeling death, which I didn't even speak about before, was when Coach Schneider gets killed after catching Jesse at the SNM bar. So he catches Jesse in this bar because Jesse, for some reason, is just walking around outside. Right, sleepwalking, maybe? I don't know. But he catches him in this bar. He makes him come back to the school where he's running laps in the gym barefoot like a fucking weirdo. Don't ever listen to anybody when they say go back to school with them and it's fucking two o'clock in the morning. But he tells Jesse to hit the showers. And as Jesse's in there, you know, Coach Schneider's fucking around with shit in his office, like taking stuff out. And he ends up getting like assaulted with a bunch of uh, athletic balls. But eventually, these jump ropes, like, tie up his arms, drag him into the shower, strip him naked, and he's eventually slashed to death by who we know as Freddy Krueger, but eventually we see Jesse with the glove on. And, you know, it's, it's shocking, what can I say? And he's taken home by the police. They say he was found naked walking. And Jesse's dad, Clue Gulagers, fucking just like, all right, man, not going to be in any trouble, but what drugs are you on? Who'd you get him from? <laughs> Stereotypical uh, 80s shit here. And it's really funny the next day when Jesse goes into school because everybody's talking about it like, oh, Coach Schneider got off in the fucking gym in the, in the locker room and they're still having school. Like, is, is class canceled or are they just fucking still going about business and just staying out of that area? The fuck kind of place is this? So finally, we get the uh, the grand finale of this movie. 
So Lisa is now going to be in pursuit of Freddy to try to save Jesse's life. And she goes to the boiler room in some giant factory where he supposedly worked when he was alive. And when she arrives, she sees these two dogs with like human baby masks on. Very strange. And like a cat eating a rat. Another very odd thing to add in. But eventually we have the showdown between Lisa, Freddy Krueger, and I guess like a sort of Jesse who's inside of Freddy. And, you know, Lisa has the power to kill Freddy in this one. And that power is the power of love. And Lisa eventually does the disgusting thing of kissing Freddy Krueger on the mouth, which I hope she had some sort of disinfectant after that, maybe some uh, hand sanitizer. But this allows Jesse to break free of Freddy's hold and emerge from a disgusting Freddy Krueger husk. And is this the end of the Krueger man? No, as you know, this is where we get the uh, the great Nightmare on Elm Street-esque stinger. Uh, we see Jesse uh, on the bus with Lisa and Lisa's friend, Carrie, who, I, you know, she had a small role in this movie, but still, she's saying something to the effect of like, oh, great party. And eventually, uh, Jesse freaks out, thinks the bus is going to just keep fucking going. He thinks he's in a nightmare and, you know, Freddy's still there, all this shit. And Lisa calms him down. You know, they start going. And then what happens? Freddy's clawed arm comes tearing through Carrie's chest. Fucking great. Such a great stinger. And that's it. And you hear Freddy laughing as the bus drives off into the field. To me, this is one of the best Nightmare on Elm Street films. I feel like it definitely, um, I think it definitely holds up compared to the other ones, like, you know, as being my favorite. I really enjoyed watching it this time. The kills, it's not going to be like the ones in later movies, but they're still good. The movie's still effective. It's still really enjoyable. There's some creepy sequences. I know everybody was waiting for me to talk about how it's the gayest movie ever made and all that stuff. Uh, plenty of other podcasts went over that. Uh, I just was just going to talk about the movie. Uh, I think Mark Patton did a, a great job playing Jesse. Clue uh, Gulliger did a great job as the dad, even though it pains me to see him being a piece of shit. And of course, Robert England playing Freddy Krueger always fucking kills it. I don't care which one it is. He's even Freddy versus Jason. He does a great job. I... 100% say check this one out give it another chance it may not be as bad as you remember or maybe just your maybe your preferences have changed and you just want to see something different so now let's head over to the video dropbox Okay, so I'm actually really excited about this one. We've only done this, I believe, once or twice before. Maybe only once. But we will be doing a first viewing. So we will be watching the movie as we record it of Willy's Wonderland. The new Nicolas Cage movie that, uh, you know, looks weird as fuck. It looks great. Uh, animatronics coming to life, trying to kill you. I'm all about that. Let's hit the trailer and I'll tell you a little bit more after. Welcome to Willy's Wonderland. Spend the night cleaning Willy's Wonderland and I will pay to have your car fixed. Deal? You are officially on staff. Let's get the hell out of here. I can't stand to hear a grown man scream. This place has a dark history. 
I know the bullshit story they told you. It's a lie. You're here to be a human sacrifice. Have you been listening to a word I've been saying? He's gonna die in here, but he won't listen to me. safe. Put your balls on, Evan. We're going to Willie's. He's not trapped in here with them. We're trapped in here with him. It's your birthday and we want you to have It's your birthday so let's It's birthday time. I enjoy a man a few words. <laughs> So Nicolas Cage returns as some sort of uh, awesome protagonist. I really enjoyed Mandy. Uh, that shit was awesome. If it's anything like that, well, I know obviously the movie's not going to be like that, but if it's as entertaining as that movie, I will be thoroughly amused and you will find out, uh, you know, pretty much as it's happening. Uh, we're going to watch it live. We're going to record our live reactions. Maybe we'll have a guest. We shall see. But... I am pumped on that. I think it's going to be, uh, I'm hoping at least that it's going to be a good movie. So like always, you can find me at bad taste video and you can find everything that we do at www.badtastevideo.com. We have a Patreon. If you'd like to help us pay for our hosting fees and all that other shit, studio upgrades, please donate. We really do appreciate it. Check out all our friends, podcasts, laser graves, uh, super tat film club, and that's it. Okay, I'll see you next week with Willie's Wonderland.